Warning, this is a horror podcast. By listening to this, you are entitled to get afraid. It's not meant for the faint of heart. And proceed at your own risk. Enjoy the show. Season 1, Episode 5. Welcome to the show again. Yeah, it's great to have you back again. The last four episodes got a very positive feedback from you guys, our beloved audience. Also, for some latest news, we have a website that is under development. It will be up and running soon and give you one more reason to love this podcast, as it will come with a subscription pass that will unlock bonus content, especially for you guys. Also, summer is coming to an end. And the fall is approaching at its own sweet pace. Which means Halloween will be coming soon again. This year. Okay, okay, it's three months away. I get it, everyone's been telling me that. But for us horror lovers, every day is Halloween. So let's celebrate this day's Halloween. I mean today's Halloween. By starting off the show. In today's episode, we have three tales for you. Enjoy and stay on the dark side of the world, always. Our first tale is entitled Strange Faces Under Lockdown, written by author William E. Penalosa and read by Mr. Unknown. This sad story happened to a close friend of mine. His name was Alexander, but his friends and family called him Alex, especially his father, who is a huge fan of Alexander the Great, and that is obviously where his name came from. He was a bearded 36-year-old man, a little fat, and had short black hair, brown eyes. He was quite introverted, and he had suffered from OCD, that is, obsessive compulsive disorder and depression. Alex lived alone in a small studio apartment which was located on the sixth floor of a small building made of bricks on the fancy side of a city in South America, which was placed on a close and quite neighborhood. He worked from home as an English and Spanish book editor and a proofreader of different American and Latin American clients that mostly lived in the USA. He had attended three or four psychologists in his life. They considered that his depression had been caused by different types of bullying he was victim to in his teenage years, both physical and emotional, and the two schools he had attended in his city, either by ill-intended classmates or companions who rejected him because of his physical and personality differences. They made him feel worthless at the time and he got very close to committing suicide a couple of times. Alex had spent three months inside his apartment because of the virus lockdown, along with his cat Hera, but every day that he passed, he felt more and more trapped within the walls of his home. The rooms felt smaller and smaller, and he felt quite confined, despite having attended several psychologists in the course of his life, 
this lockdown was starting to affect his sanity since he made the same activities every single day which were to wake up, go to the bathroom, brush his teeth, drink black coffee, cook his breakfast, eat it, work almost all day, read books and internet articles, watch Netflix, eat again and go to sleep. During the lockdown, the only way that Alex had contact with other people was using the internet, his boring and mostly unnecessary work meetings using Zoom, video calls through WhatsApp with his friends and family. He only left his home to go to the supermarket or pharmacy, which made him feel extremely nervous. And when he sometimes went out for a walk in his neighborhood, he listened to music. The few times Alex had decided to leave home, he felt frustrated and a little scared when he saw how many people around him neither cared about getting sick nor did they comply with the rules and regulations admonished by the World Health Organization WHO. For example, not complying with social distancing, saying hi to people by using handshakes without gloves, taps on the shoulder on public places, some people use their face masks below their nose. And last but not the least, some people did not use gloves at all. On many occasions, Alex could see those people had their hands dirty. Other people even went out of their neighborhoods to run a job, as if nothing was going on. And when Alex saw all these things going on during the first month of the lockdown, all these triggered his anxiety and stress in a big way. And that is why he did not went out as frequently as before because he was afraid he would get very sick and die. That day, it was Friday, like any other from the start of June 2020. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon at the time, and Alex's hair and beard were completely unkept. He was wearing his favorite Star Wars t-shirt and a grey sweatpants. He was drinking a cup of black coffee while he finished that day's psychology lesson through his Zoom whom several weeks ago had given the terrible news that besides his OCD, he suffered from a disease called schizomprena, if I pronounced that right, but he did not need to take medication for it. When he finished his session, he was trying to finish working on his laptop while he sat in his living room sofa. When he opened the window, almost completely in order to let in the wind, and thus relieve the feeling of heat he was experiencing. He was listening to his favorite horror narration podcast in his cell phone, which strangely made him feel entertained, but he was looking everywhere and a little anxious. Alex felt relieved, but still stressed, since after two months of hard work, he was finally in the last stage of correcting the last page of a horror book, coincidentally his favorite genre which had 500 pages and the deadline was scheduled for today at 6 p.m. Suddenly, Alex frowned and turned around because he started to hear some weird voices that seemed to come from a ghost or specter, which is inside his home, and they said, Alex, Alex, you are worthless. You're not going to finish this book in time. You're going to get fired and be out of job in this pandemic. What? Who the hell are you guys? Well, 
We are the voices inside your head, of course. Oh, sure. Why would I believe such a thing? Anything you say? If you are not real at all? The voices laughed in a macabre and terrifying that way. It seemed to be two and the respondent. Well, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> in that moment, Alex felt a bit creeped out since he was not a I mean, not used to these things, and could not explain how he was listening to those bizarre voices. Maybe his disease was forcing him to imagine things because of his high stress levels. Then he started talking to himself. Well, the most logical explanation for this was that this lockdown must be making me crazy. So I will concentrate more and finish the editing of this damn book. Thus, he decided to keep working with the document in a calm and focused way which was quite long and he wanted to avoid making mistakes. In order to send the document on the scheduled deadline he was given. Phew, I'm finally done with this document. Now I'm going to send this thing and be done with it. However, Alex started hearing the creepy voices in his head again. Are you sure you're done, Alex? Are you completely sure you didn't have thousands of mistakes and they're going to send the document back so you can correct it again and so it will never be a never-ending process? Oh my god, you guys again? No, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to ignore you, pour myself a rum, drink it to celebrate and that's it! The voices spoke up after some time. Of course, Alex, because getting drunk is always the answer to all your problems. Go ahead and do it. That's not true. I'm not going to get drunk today. I'm just going to drink one or two drinks. Those are enough for today. Oh, come on, Alex. Two drinks are never enough for you. You know that very well. Take your drinks just like the alcoholic you are. No! Alex shouted at them and told them, No, I won't, and you're not going to convince me to do it. Of course you will. You will see. In the midst of this argument, Alex poured himself a drink from his favorite Venezuelan rum. On the rocks, he put some music on from his cell phone to see if he had managed to calm down a bit. Sadly, the first song that came up on his shuffle playlist was one called Isolation from an 80s band called Joy Division which honestly was not the best song to listen to in that moment of tension and insanity. Out of the blue, Max, who Alex's next door neighbor, in contrast to Alex, he was a 25 year old man, thin with long brown hair, that also worked from home, but he was a languages teacher and he taught online lessons. Max heard some screams on the other side of his wall and he felt very scared since it was quite strange. He knew very little about his neighbor but he did not know that he was a very quiet person and he did not make much noise during his daily activities. But now it sounded like he was having a big argument with someone or something which was very very strange because he knew he lived alone. Precisely for this reason, Alex had talked with Max one month after he had moved there. He
he explained his health condition, gave him a copy of his apartment keys in order to feed his cat when he was not there, and in case of an emergency too. The loud screams continued to interrupt Max's work, so he decided he was going to ring Alex's doorbell to check out what was going on and make sure that he was okay. Out of nowhere, Alex jumped from fright because he could some macabre faces coming out from his one of living room walls. Strangely enough, these faces started to move slowly in the wall and Alex noticed that these faces had the same tone of voice as similar to the voice in his head. What he did not know was that everything he was seeing was a hallucination. Nevertheless, at this point, his disease did not allow him to difference or more likely differentiate what is real and what is not. So Alex obviously felt that he was losing his mind completely. After that, Alex ran to his room to look for his Victorian Knox pocket knife, which he had inherited from his deceased stepfather, whom he still remembered fondly in order to, in order to defend himself from the strange faces. But to his horror, he saw four black faces starting to come out of his TV's flat screen, which made them feel a lot less scarier, or in his mind, a lot more scarier than the ones in his living room's white walls. Alex grabbed his knife and took out one of his sharp blades. He ran to himself. He ran to the living room again, but the faces had disappeared from the wall and his TV, so he told himself. Well, maybe now I'm losing my wind with this crazy and demented faces. These faces responded. That's the idea, Alex. Make you lose your mind because your life is worthless and has no meaning at all. Suddenly, the silhouette of a giant face started to come out from the center of the same world from which the other faces had come from. And Alex felt so terrified that he fell on his back to the floor. But before he fell, he jammed his knife in the wall and the face went away. On the other hand, Max thought that the situation could be considered as an emergency. He grabbed his keys from Alex's apartment. He opened his apartment door, took two or three steps forward until he got to his neighbor's apartment. He could now hear him more clearly and as if he was fighting someone. So he rang the doorbell several times and told him, Hey Alex, is everything okay in there? I'm coming in. The sound of the doorbell made Alex jump and he told Max, Yeah, right, you can come in. But Alex's consciousness warned and told him, Don't let him in. Something's really bad is going to happen to him if you do so. As soon as Max got inside Alex's apartment, he could see how Alex was fighting against an invisible entity. How he jammed his knife in one of his living room's walls and he could not understand anything that was going on. Therefore, he walked quickly to the place Alex was standing. He tried to calm him down. He took his hands and tried to take his pocket knife away from him. Alex told Max, I have to kill those faces. They're driving me insane. In the middle of the fighting and screaming, Alex accidentally stabbed Max in his abdomen. He got scared, pulled away from him, and immediately came out of his trance and saw how Max started to bleed out. 
Well, Max asked him, well, Why did you hurt me? I was just trying to help you. Alex ran to the kitchen and grabbed a cloth. He tried to pressure on Max's wound. But after a few minutes, Max bled out completely and died. Now Alex felt extremely guilty about what had happened. So he said to himself, What the hell have I done? In that moment, Alex opened his window completely and could hear the voices saying again, Do it! Kill yourself! To which he answered, Yeah, you're right. My life is worthless now. And in my condition, I will probably die in a prison or an asylum. So he decided to end his life. He made peace with what he did, said goodbye to Hera, and said he loved her, and threw himself from his sixth floor window, and he fell, he confirmed the cliché, where people could see all their life flash before their eyes, since that's exactly what he saw, good and bad things. He hit the ground with a loud BANG! He died instantly because he broke his neck. After that, he started to bleed on the floor. Thus, the virus took Alex's life, but exactly in the way that he expected he would die. The Lord works in mysterious ways, right? Our next tale is entitled, It's Just a Dream, by author Paid Assassin 13. Yes, you heard it right, Paid Assassin 13. He's a narrator, right? You would ask. Well, he also can write beautiful stories. And believe me, this story is terrifying as hell. He himself is going to narrate his story to bring more life to it. And without any further ado, enjoy the show. I was standing at the center of a large soccer ground. The grass was green, too green to be real, and the sky pitch black. I looked at my digital watch. It read 1 p.m. Something wasn't right. I realized that it was a dream. All the surroundings seemed too unreal to be true. I didn't know how I got there. I just remember standing there. I had a big science project the next day and I wanted to get up as soon as possible. At the other end of the football field, the left end, I noticed some movement. I looked there and saw a large creepy man standing there staring at me. Uh, I made a face at him and started to explore the soccer field. Why not? Just let me enjoy the dream, I thought to myself. I was roaming around the grass. I touched the grass and it felt... I felt it. <sighs> Relax, it's just a dream, I said to myself. I walked around a bit more. There was a large screech. I looked to where the man was standing and it was empty. All of a sudden I heard a loud maniac laughter coming from the audience. 
I looked there. There was a woman clad in white, just stereotypical ghost. <laughs> Why let her sigh? It's just a dream, I said to myself. No need to freak out. I'd wake up. I sh- I should wake up soon now. <laughs> now, if it's a dream, I decided to walk towards the ghost, if you must say. Now I approached her. I walked to where she was sitting, and said, "Hello. How may I help you?" <laughs> she did not move. Now I decided to be a little more bold and walked to the audience stand. I said to myself, "It's just dream. No need to be a coward in my dream. I control everything here, right?" The dark clouds parted. And a shimmer of red sunlight. Yep, red sunlight fell on her face. It was Im- illuminated, and it was a hell of a mess. She had red eyes, blood red eyes. She had no nose, just a featureless face with two bloodshot eyes. I went up to her and sat down beside her. I said. Are you a ghost or what? Still, she did not move. Suddenly, I felt a punch in my gut and was thrown backwards. Two stands. Now the lady stand stood up. I felt the pain in my gut. <sighs> I said to myself, "Relax, it's just a dream." The woman approached, walking steadily, steadily. I I thought to myself. Is, Hell to the dream! I'm running. I don't want to be killed, even in my dream. So I ran. I ran and ran and went to the other end of the football field. When I looked behind, she was just a few feet away. The white-clad figure approached. I could not move anywhere. There was anywhere. There were two cement walls behind me. Her hand shot up and grabbed my throat. <coughs> I managed to think to myself, "It's just a dream. No need to freak out." I kept clinging to this thought until the air went out of my lungs. She kept on squeezing my throat until my heart stopped. In the last moments before my vision blacked out, I thought to myself, "Relax. It's just a dream." and then everything went black forever our third tale is entitled gps game by author christopher maxim and read by narrator jeff the killer Have you ever heard of the GPS game? Before you type it into Google, let me save you the trouble. You're not going to find it much. If it's not on the internet, I must be full of crap, right? You can believe what you want. The fact is that the matter 
Very few people know about the Serbian legend, and even fewer have attempted to play, let alone follow it through to the end. You might have guessed it, I am one of those people. I'll spare you the details of how long I became acquainted with this game, this long, mostly uninteresting sale that I'll save for another time. What I'm here to divulge to you is everything I've learned while playing. Everything you knew, need to know to say safe. Should you choose to play this yourself? I'll touch on why I'm really revealing this later. For now, let's just discuss the gameplay. The game consists of a type of seemingly random sequence of characters into the search bar of any GPS system or app and following the path that is generated. This is known as the master code. Unfortunately, it's constantly changing and never staying the same for more than a few days at a time. It has something to do with the Earth's rotation as well as its position around the Sun. A lot of complex measurements are needed to determine the code string of values at a given time. That's why you have but two options at your disposal. Contact a spotter accessible via a specific dark web market. They can access the measurements needed and the output and output a list of possible code variations, but it'll cost you an arm and a leg. Contact me. I'm not spotted, but I've played this game long enough to know what I'm doing. I've discovered the code time and time again without any help. I won't charge you a dime. After retrieving the code and officially beginning your expedition, it's a matter of it's important to stay in it for the long haul. No matter how many turns you take, no matter no matter how long it takes, you have to stay. You have to keep going, okay? As is consistent with the legend, it's not about the des- it's about the destination, not the journey. The GPS game is supposed to lead you to the secret town of the Battle Grove. Therein lies the territory of this exploration of uncharted territory. It disco- it's the discovery of a non-existent place. Through the route you go, it's always changing. Drive time usually remains the same. It should take you anywhere from 5 to 6 hours to keep up the tri- complete the trip, depending on tra- traffic. Keep an eye out for these landmarks so as to be absolutely certain you've arrived. Hank's supernova driver, an e-tree that boldly proclaims that it's open 25 hours a day. Hexworks, a boutique that specializes in vintage curiosities. Grovewood and Co., a souvenir shop for, which for some reason I couldn't seem to find during my last visit. Garrett's Locker, a death metal venue. The Grovewood Inn, a hotel with haunted past or so I've been told. As exciting as it must be to explore this new place, you mustn't get carried away. Forces are beyond your comprehension at work, offering you a glimpse into a world you were never meant to see. One false move could shatter this cosmic window, disrupting the delicate balance between worlds, effectively catapulting you into a fathomless void of non-existence from which you may never return. This might sound dramatic, but it is really that serious. I urge you to take this following advice 
to prevent irreparable damage to yourself or reality as we know it. Do not get out of your car while in town. Your presence will disturb the residents and nearest of which will walk up to you and bash your brains in with brute force. When chasing an outsider such as yourself, a resident possesses reservoirs of unnatural strength and agility. After ensuring that your heart is stopped, the resident will resume their daily routine as if nothing has happened. Do not film or take pictures of the town, not even a selfie in the car. If you have a dash cam, get rid of it. There can be no record of your visit whatsoever. If you fail to do this, something will happen to you. Not right away. It could be a couple of days, even a week after you return home. But the rest, but rest assured it will happen. A GPS gamer I knew by the name of Tom made the mistake after taking a short phone video of his drive through town. For his personal records, I can only guess that someone or something abducted him and retrieved the footage. We usually touch base at least once every few months to discuss our findings. It has now been two years since we last spoke. Speaking of phones, let's talk electronics. Most of us rely on them on our day-to-day travels, but this is one you absolutely cannot. Do not trust a single one of your gadgets. For instance, if the GPS is still going once you've hit town, it will eventually have you driving around in circles, eventually leading to you into unsavory depths of the town where you will inevitably run out of gas after which it's a game over. If you call someone while in battle grid, there is a hundred percent chance they'll pick up only if only them. Their voice and diction will sound identical to their real counterpart, but don't be fooled. It's a trick of town fighting for you to stay in it so it can eat you alive. If you do stay on the line, the person on the other end will become hysterical. What they say is different for everyone, but their words will cut deep and they will somehow come and convince you to get out of the car. The car. We all know what happens after that. The town learns. Every time you visit, it will throw a new curveball at you hoping you'll exit your vehicle for one reason or another. I thought I'd seen everything, but on my last playthrough, I received an Amber alert on my phone. The plate number matched the truck in front of me, and I could clearly see a young girl in the back seat, clawing at the window. She looked directly at me, tears running down her face, begging me to save her. I followed the for a good 10 miles before coming to my senses and getting out of Dodge. It's best to spread your visits out with long rest periods in between. The more often you visit, the harder it is to get out. The town hates repeat visitors. Oh yeah, the book. This doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, be cautious. A book called Sleep Tactics. Exercises for a mind at rest will appear in your car. On certain trips, it can show up in your glove box, the floor by the gas paddle, or even jammed in the crevice between the hood and the windshield. Most of the time, it just appears on the passenger seat. No matter where it is, you can't give in to its distraction. 
you'll become strangely tempted to stop the car and open up the book to view its contents. Do not read the book. If you do, you'll be hopelessly engrossed and fall under its spell. As you devour the pages, you will become very to the point of collapse. Depending on whether where you left off in the book, you can either remain asleep indefinitely or exit yourself. In the latter scenario, your astral form will be adrift in the battered grave, with no means of communicating with the outer world. There's also another book that appears, Transpersonal Travel, A Guide to the Unknown Consciousness. Turn around, you have to leave at once, trust me. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, I'm right here, right now, stranded in the battered grave. I tried leaving by normal means, but the, ca- uh, the, the town is getting crafty. The roads usually lead home, rearranging themselves, all taking me back to this god-forsaken place. Remember what I said about spreading out your trips? Well, I got cocky. I went for a few visits a year to six or seven. And then to every month. It's an addiction, one that I clearly don't have the discipline to manage. I've officially hit rock bottom. Sitting here in my car, completely out of gas, just waiting for the inevitable. This is where you come in. Below you, I will reveal the current master code. I don't know if it's still active, but this is my only hope. Please help me, I beg of you. Even as I type this out on my phone, I'm in danger. The town knows I'm stranded and is doing everything it can to swallow me whole. Every few minutes, I'm receiving calls from unknown numbers and getting pop-up ads for local gas station that are currently in walking distance from your current location. I am wise in this charade, but I know it's only a matter of time before the town fools me into thinking I can escape by leaving the comfort of my vehicle. Given the town's strange nature, I can't be certain that this message will reach anyone, at least not in the way I intended to. Wherever my story does end up hitting the send button, I hope someone will give this game a try. Bring friends, make a road trip out of it, have some fun. If you end up finding me, that's all for the better. Even if you don't believe a word of this, what do you have to lose? Take the code and go. Now. I'm running out of time. I'm really hungry as well. There's a pop dino. There's a dino close by actually. I think I should go there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Under Darkness Reigns, my Nightmare Academy. Our time together has drawn to an end. However, we shall meet ways again next episode. We release two episodes every week and so be sure to tune in for another episode next weekend or if you are listening to this on a weekend, next weekday.
enjoy and stay on the dark side of the world.